Hello and welcome to Alchemist on being a heart-connected and transformative teacher. Alchemist is a series of interviews with inspirational first-year teachers. I am your host, Iman Giannetti, and our guest today is another remarkable woman, the very enthusiastic and passionate Samantha Sherman, who recently graduated from the University of San Francisco with a Master in Urban Education and Social Justice. Samantha has been a long-term substitute with San Francisco Unified School District for almost four years prior to gaining her teaching credential. She is going to share with us her journey into teaching and her lessons learned. I am so excited to have you here, Samantha. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Hello, good people. My name is Samantha Sherman, and I am an SF native. What you should know about my educational background is I went to Bryant Elementary School when Bryant Elementary School was on York Street. I went to Marina Middle School. I went to Abraham Lincoln High School. And for my undergrad, I went to San Francisco State University, where I studied English literature. In my spare time, <laughs> I am a minister and I've been studying ministry for two years. I believe that I will be ordained next year, but I am going to be taking that the slow route so that I can give myself the chance to really study the way in which I am hoping to study. I am in the UESJ program and in being in that program, I love, love, love the professors and the um, curriculum and the way in which we are attacking uh, systemic problems and the thoughts that are presented in a class-wide setting feels akin to all the social justice that I ever wanted or needed. And it's been wonderful. I also am an English teacher full-time and I also do the associated student body so the student government for my school and that I also um, help my mom she's experiencing some health trauma right now and I'm providing care for her as a caregiver things that I do for fun I like to hang out with my friends I like to watch anime Japanese animation uh, because I tend not to like humans being depicted on the screen because I'm a human already and anime is just much nicer. Let's just be honest with each other, okay? I love it. I love it. Anyway, uh, in my spare time as well, I read and I am a minister, so I've been studying the Bible. So, I am just fascinated by your journey as you have been teaching for almost four years as a long-term substitute, and you seem so confident. Can you share how you decided to substitute with SFUSD and enroll into a credential program? In 2015, I began working at the high school that I went to, and that's a kind of interesting story. My principal, or who graduated me, the principal, um, <laughs> they contacted me because they were looking to ensure that there were people who were products of the schooling environment 
working at the school. It was kind of like a campaign, like um, after graduating college, I started working for my high school in 2015 as a secretary. And as a secretary, I found that one, I was the first black secretary um, in maybe over 20 years or something like that. And so in kind, a lot of the students, black students in particular, particular, excuse me, gravitated towards me and my uh, just personhood, right? Um, having somebody who was black in their space um, with quote and quote unquote authority uh, really meant a lot to them. We um, still don't have a lot of black staff at Lincoln and I can count on one hand how many black teachers we have and don't get me started on the conversation about presenting or associating with with blackness in in a school environment. It's a whole other conversation that I won't get into, but um, there are a few people who represent um, the marginalized and uh, they were really smitten with the idea that there was somebody who they can go to and connect with and talk to. And that being said, I started building rapport with the students. So my journey went from just doing my secretarial job and role to um, being a part of uh, girls groups and to running the freshman orientation program and connecting with students outside of my role of secretary. But one thing remained consistent, which was the refuge space that students really utilized, which was my office. I had a lot of students in there feeling like they could be themselves and speak freely, even though there weren't any ceiling, like, uh, real enclosed spaces they still felt like they could actually speak freely and from their hearts and I would be privy to a whole bunch of their their lives right they would tell me about what's happening on their sports team and uh, they would tell me about the latest boy drama and they would tell me about all these different happenings in the school and the dynamics and what have you and the currents that happened more than once and actually over and over and over again was that um, students would begin to tell me about how unsafe they felt in their classroom environments. So for instance, if there were uh, students in the class that looked at them funny or if they were a part of a group and the group didn't really participate with them in the way that they wanted to participate or um, one time the worst uh, instance that I can remember there's a student and she was when she was in middle school a honor student and perfect attendance and all of these different things and when she hit uh, Lincoln basically the experience that she had in that uh, smaller environment didn't really translate well into the larger environment which is the high school that I work for and her in-class experiences were really uh, treacherous basically she didn't feel safe and she didn't feel like she could tell the teacher why she didn't feel safe and um, one time one of her teachers it was during one of these um, coming back from a summer in which there was like rampant violence um, in the nation and 
whole bunch of conversations about racial injustice and what's been happening around our our country. And the student basically started detailing to me that uh, her teacher, a white educator, was basically trying to be relevant and in trying to be relevant, played a minstrel cartoon and supposedly there was a lesson built around it in which the the students were supposed to engage with like why it was wrong or bad or what have you but what translated to the students were that this is like a depiction of actually of actual black people and the student at the time who was telling me the story was the only black student in the class and as an aside if you are an educator and you haven't and you are not black um, and you are trying uh, to be relevant, um, remember that there are so much so many pieces that your students don't necessarily tell you right there are dynamics in which your black students might be feeling, but they never articulate there are uh, so many instances in which they are fighting even if it's in an invisible battle in which you might not know, right? And so to be the only whatever is already challenging, but especially in an environment in which oppression is rampant and these silly ideas of who's important, who has knowledge, who is valuable, is poorly situated within classroom spaces. So just as an aside, like, as an educator, please try to be as cognizant as possible about how you curate a content, particularly that is not of your own experience, right? So back to the story. So the student is telling me about uh, the teacher and their intention, uh, but the impact was really that every student started looking at the student telling the story, telling me the story, and they started making comments, and they basically... Uh, had a discussion that really was insensitive um, and didn't actually achieve any of the uh, things that the teacher wanted to achieve. And so that being said, the student then walked away feeling really unsafe and unprotected from their educator and really left little room for discussion post the activity, post the uh, conversation. And as a secretary, right, there's not really much that I was able to do. I wasn't able to say, excuse me, educator, you've done wrong. I didn't, I couldn't uh, really uh, have that conversation with her, with the teacher. And it really sparked this desire in me to like create my own spaces and create my own curriculum that would honor more voices and center safety that I had continuously heard hadn't been centered before. And so my journey from secretary to teacher basically went like that. I had heard enough of those stories and I went forward in pursuing my credential. So when I first started teaching in 2017, uh, that credential pursuit was at SF State because again I went there for undergrad and I thought that it would be totally fine I had just graduated two years ago and so I figured it would it wouldn't be 
uh, too hard. Um, but what I quickly learned was I was working every single day in a classroom, understanding some deep dynamics of how schooling worked and how uh, education and the curriculum that your colleagues may be doing are vastly different than what you are doing and you are limiting your idea of what a good teacher is versus maybe what you are and trying to fit in but also stand out and all these different interpersonal things as well as external things and all the while I'm going into this program for SS State and it did not feel like it was uh, preparatory at all. I I felt like um, like I was sort of wasting my time there. Uh, I spent a year and a half trying to get my credential there and it just didn't work for me in the way that I was Uh, moving and growing. And all the while, I was uh, teaching on just various permits. So SFUSD in particular has uh, a couple of permits that you can get uh, to be an emergency teacher, the teacher on record. I don't recommend uh, necessarily going through that route, but that's the route that I went through and I'm here. So uh, here we are. But So I spent some time in that program and it didn't really feel fulfilling. And then I uh, stopped going to that program and uh, I then discovered the UESJMAT program. And I felt like that was a much better fit. And uh, behold, it was. It was and it is uh, really, really beneficial and helpful and close to the heart and I don't know if it's just because of the pandemic but there was a lot of um, healing that I was able to experience uh, via looking at myself and how I am coming into this profession so in essence my journey from teaching starting teaching in 2017 to now uh, has really been about Uh, trying to center students' safety and center students' access to curriculum and materials, all while being as anti-system as possible while working in the system. There's a lot of complexities in which you um, face when you are an educator, especially if you are radical in your sense of the word. So there was a lot of barriers, but um, we're here. We are here and we are doing it. All that we can. Uh, I actually never was a substitute in this uh, system. I just uh, used the PIP and STIP systems to get an emergency credential. What are your biggest lessons learned? I am sure the first year's teaching must have been interesting and challenging. I will start with my first couple of years. Uh, The first couple of years, I truly came in with this idea that I can dismantle what has been established instantly. I came in thinking that I had the juice, okay? I was like, yeah, I'm going to tear this down and boom, we're going to rebuild it. That'll take about mm, three and a half months. And then I will do this and then we fixed it. That's it. And quickly learned and ran into all the walls that that is not that is not how 
this educational system works. And it was shocking, but it also started to make sense because of how ingrained uh, we've, how deeply rooted and ingrained our understanding of self and understanding and perception of people are and uh, how we set students up and how we tear students down. All those things are intertwined and the education system itself is not uh, solely about your heart, but it's also about your head. Whereas other companies are really only about the head, right? The how you logically get something done. And if it's not logically done, you get to cut something out. Whereas when you blend um, education, uh, blend that model with the model of education, those things don't happen as quickly. And how many people with outdated understandings of life are uh, still in our system actively harming students and all of these things blended together uh, to show me that it's not as easy as I once thought. And so biggest lessons that I learned was I am not able to actually uh, tear something down alone. You need a group of people to uh, actually be like-minded and do that with you. Um, I also learned that I was trying to create new things that already existed and I was wasting a lot of time um, doing so. So for instance, there was like a thought that I had to create all of my curriculum by myself and that curriculum uh, really shouldn't look like anybody else if I was going to get the recognition of it being innovative Right. And then there was this thought, thought and idea that I had to say yes to every single thing because I want to appease uh, my admin and I want to make sure that they see me as valuable or a team player or all the things that I said that I was. And it led to a lot of uh, stress. Right. A lot of stress, a lot of um, loss. uh feelings, a lot of uh, sleepless nights, a lot of uh, tears, actually, right? Um, and I'm only sharing these lessons because I need you to know before you go in that um, nothing you do in this program will really prepare you for how you personally will react to your own first year. You can build lots of curriculum beforehand. You can uh, seek the advice of many people. Um, but you are going into this, uh, field in which you are dealing with other people's real lives. Um, you are some students, nurses, you are some students, lawyer, you are some students, mother, you are some students, father, you are some students, uh, sister, or maybe even arch nemesis, but, uh, some, other person's life is now in your hands. And if you're doing uh, the work of connecting with them, and if you're doing the work of uh, getting to know them, uh, you have um, a responsibility that is greater than what anyone in your program can describe. And so how you handle 
the lives that are handed over to you on a daily basis. You see these children more than their family because eight hours a day, right? You might see them one hour, but they are they are in your care for such a long period of time that they really become people that you are responsible for. And so that being said, it's critical uh, that you know that about yourself and that you know uh, that this is going to be a uphill battle, especially for the first couple of years. Um, and so those are things that I learned. I learned that I, um, I said yes because I was trying to please other people and I ended up being really, really stretched from it. And that stretching really did produce something great, but it still was painful at the time and really made me question if I was in the right profession. But I was able to move forward because I'd learned those lessons and I was able to utilize the lessons that I learned in the first couple of years to be a much more effective teacher. And I'm grateful that I had those experiences, but I definitely wish I would have known a little bit more about them beforehand. So hopefully you can use these uh, words to help you and help your practice. What did you learn along the way to help you stay authentic? I find that I recall my experiences with the refugee space that I created for my students. I recall that a lot. I look on that and think about if I am creating the space that I set out to create or if I'm doing what it is that I call myself wanting to do. It's honestly hard because the pandemic has made it really difficult to uh, perform in the exact ways that I want, but I'm reminded that teaching is not a perfected state. Teaching is a practice, and I will continuously get better and draw upon my experiences so that I can uh, stay myself. But as a reminder, I think it's helpful that we recall when we knew somebody else was being inauthentic, right? Like we knew that they were putting on, putting on airs. They, we knew that they were not doing something because they liked it. They were just doing it um, because they had to. And nobody wants to experience that or feel that. So I try and fill my space and my curriculum with things that I really am passionate about or want to do um, so that I don't have to BS my students, right? Um, they feel it, they don't respond to it well, and they are sponges, right? They see what you do and they will absorb what it is that, that you are doing. And if you are, if you care about it and you are open enough with your students to share with them that you care about it, uh, they in turn will care as well. So that's how I stay authentic. I I remember that they can smell when you're inauthentic and they want to be engaged in something you're engaged in. I know you've developed great teaching strategies. Can you share some of them with us? Okay, I have a few teaching strategies that I think are worthwhile. First, you have this power over your students, right? And the power you have over them 
is that you ultimately hold their grade in your hand, right? And because you have that power, they believe that you also have an infinite amount of knowledge, right? They think that you know everything about your subject. They think that you, they might have heard something about you or uh, their parents might have experienced something or what have you. You don't. You don't know everything and you know that you don't know everything. You can know lots of fun facts, but it doesn't mean that you know everything, right? And a strategy that I've been using is being a guide rather than an all-knowing, power-wielding teacher. Here's what that looks like. Sharing with my students that I am a human being and there are limits to my knowledge, but that I am knowledgeable because I've spent some time some significant amount of time studying this thing, right? And I know this thing, and I want you to know this thing because it's important, right? Important to me because I think that you uh, will be a better person if you learn this now versus if you learn this later, right? Whatever that thing is, you have your curriculum, you think you have an angle in which you're going to craft and create your own curriculum, that will be important to you as well, right? And so... In my guidance of you through this curriculum, I am not going to pretend that even in this thing that I've studied longer or more extensively extensively than you have, that you don't have knowledge, right? You come with a whole host of uh, experiences and lived truths and things that maybe you know to be true that I have never experienced or known. And I want to honor that for you as a as another human being. I've lived longer than you have and therefore I've had to make more decisions and I've had to think through situations involving this thing more, but it does not mean that you do not hold knowledge, right? And so we are going to co-create knowledge together in which I'm going to present you this material. You are going to put your experience and spin on that material and therefore be able to educate uh, your peers with that experience, right? And they're vice versa, right? They educate you with their experience and I share mine with everyone and everyone shares, right? And as a group, we are getting to a point together. We're not just learning individually, right? Because individualism doesn't necessarily get us where we're trying to go. We are better when we can think together and think collectively. So I'm not some all-powerful human that I know all the things. I'm going to partner with you, right? And I'm going to partner in your learning. That's one strategy. Uh, The other is I don't give my students homework. And one, I know that you give students homework to practice what it is that you learned in your class. And I also know that That isn't the case for all spaces, right? But I also know my lived experience was I did not have the means um, to get tutoring, nor did I have the help at home to really achieve the practice that uh, homework is meant to achieve. And of course, a student can do these things on their own. But again, if we're learning as a community, it makes more sense for me to ask you to practice something that I've done that I've taught you whilst in the presence of your peers so this looks like instead of lecturing the entirety of my 
class period, I do a miniature lesson in which everything that they need to know is in the first or is it is it 15 minutes. And then they spend the rest of our class period practicing what it is that uh, they need to know. And with the rest of our class period, if they don't, if they're on task, they've practiced, they've interacted with their peers, they've given, they've given me feedback on how someone else might take it, right? I'm able to accommodate them for their um, 504s, IEPs, things of that nature. There is more attention, there's correction made on the spot. There is an opportunity for a group to participate versus me at my house struggling, right? If they're not on task, if they're not doing what it is that they are assigned to do, that is then a conversation that we have to have on an individual basis. But I'm not leaving most of my class to chance to get their work done and completed. I'm allowing them the space in my space to see if they actually understand it. And then during the next day, I'm reinforcing what we learned with some sort of strategy uh, to reinforce, whatever that looks like, um, however we've worked that out. Of course, I'm not saying that I do this every single day and and I don't profess to be perfect at this. Again, I am practicing as you all will uh, begin to practice. and But that's something that I found that is helpful. Um, and then lastly, a strategy. Oh yes, choice. I like to give my students choice in what they experience. So for instance, I have a high school um, English classroom and many of you will have stories around why uh, you hated English or how you loved English because maybe you read this book or maybe you had to do this paper and you're never good at this and uh, your teacher was the determining factor, right? Uh, What I want to do in them creating their, co-creating knowledge is give them an opportunity to choose what it is that they would actually engage in. Because if you want to read something, it will show. But if you could care less about the book, you are spending more time avoiding doing your work than actually doing it. Or you are spending time hatefully doing your work versus trying to learn what it is that the lesson is trying to teach you, right? And of course, students need the opportunity to have a centralized text. I'm not saying I don't use mentor texts. I'm more saying that I want to give students the opportunity to see what it is that they would like to learn and engage what it is, engage themselves in that and not just being strict around what it is that they can learn. This also goes for the uh, culminating projects. So using as many mediums as possible, allowing them to uh, share what it is that they know because they've done the work thus far. So that's one of the ways and some of the ways that I I have been approaching my work, and hopefully it's helpful. Finally, what advice will you give to a first-year teacher? Some advice I would give a first-year teacher would be to, one, steal the curriculum. And when I say steal, I mean uh, utilize curriculum that is made already because there are so many things that... You don't necessarily know that you need until the lesson happens, right? Or 
Uh, you don't know that students might react this way to a lesson because you haven't, you've never taught the lesson. And so you uh, don't have the, the knowledge about what's going to happen, right? So utilize curriculum that is made and then feel free to tweak that curriculum to meet the lens in which you are teaching from. So for instance, if there, if it's a lesson about, I'm going to use my English example, right? If there's a lesson about uh, squirrels, I don't know why I said squirrels. Here we go. If there's a lesson about squirrels that is already written and I have been having a conversation with my students about uh, social justice, then I will give that squirrel maybe an issue that we can a do now issue that we can talk about and then I would give them the curriculum and then I would uh, give them something that they can uh, see connects to what we've been talking about before right but you can't do that if you are building every single piece all the time right in the same token don't be afraid to uh, try something new and to rework material that you already created because If it doesn't work for your students, you can change it. That's okay. You don't have to keep it the same for continuity's continuity's sake. You can change it and it's totally fine. Additionally, be open to saying uh, what it is that you actually mean without fear of um, being contrarian, right? Uh, We are in this system trying to, maybe you are in the system, trying to show up for your students, and sometimes that's unpopular, right? Advocating for your students doesn't always get you the most awards because sometimes you'll find that there are adults in your building who are mostly centered on how adults can be treated or experienced more than how their students are being treated or care about how their students are experiencing their school site, right? Additionally, don't forget to say no to things. You don't have to do everything. Everything is, there will always be programs and things that you can do. Don't feel the pressure to say yes to a whole bunch of things uh, because it will burn you out. And burnout can also look like numbness And that happened to me. I I was my second in my third year because I had done so many different things. I had been on so many different committees and all these different things. And I'd basically gotten my heart broken because of all my enthusiasm and people being trying to basically pull me down because of my enthusiasm. I was just going through the motions of delivering content and being with my students, but not really putting my effort and all into it. So uh, it took me a while to regenerate the energy that I want to have with my students and doing the work that I want to do. So don't feel any sort of way about having to say no. And doesn't mean that the opportunity is gone forever. It literally means that you're giving yourself the grace and the pause in your first year uh, not to experience overload. Um, The other thing is Uh, There will be meetings that can be emails. I'm just going, mm -hmm. you don't, uh, 
all meetings are not hypercritical, right? The word meeting makes you think that there is a full need to be there. Get comfortable asking if it's possible uh, to balance how many things that you have to go through, go to during the time, uh, during your first year, so that you can actually strike a balance between your, your life and your work, right? I find that the people who are the most fulfilled are the people who can actually uh, put down their work and then go to uh, the movies that they love to do or go bowling or do the hobbies that they love uh, to do because uh, you're not so um, uh, weighed down by the demanding schedule of an educator, right? You have to grade things. You have to teach your parent conference. You have to attend meetings about the union. You have to attend meetings about your staff. You have to write emails. There are extreme demands on the time and and the energy of an educator. And do yourself the favor of trying to strike a balance early on so that you don't experience the burnout. That is very possible for an, for an educator, right? Other pieces of advice for your first year. Your curriculum is going to evolve and don't be afraid uh, of that evolution because you will continue to grow as an educator and see what it is that was great and you will see uh, really the pieces that were superfluous, right? You, you just wanted them to be there because you thought they were pretty or cool or something. But you don't have to do every single piece of thing that you said that you wanted to do, right? Your enthusiasm can be seen as uh, a threat to some teachers who have either given up their enthusiasm or have been embittered by uh, this educational system and that is their problem not yours make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people who will uh, allow you the space to be enthusiastic and also to allow you the space to vent and maybe complain safely and give you the opportunity uh, to see yourself and be reflected and talk through what you've been going through uh, and also bounce off ideas about curriculum and all those different uh, ways uh, that you can actually grow as an educator by seeing other educators and being in community with one another. Don't be afraid. It'll get better as time goes on. You'll continue to build. Not everything is going to be stacked how you want it to be in the first part in the first year so don't be afraid to build the blocks right use the little building blocks to get to where you want to go and above all there is healing that you need to do and that healing is (laughs) uh, essential for your productivity as an educator I'm a high school teacher and uh, being in a high school brought back a whole bunch of my experiences as a high school student. And 
I then started to think about, okay, like, how do I treat a student who reminds me of somebody who bullied me? Or how do I interact with another teacher that maybe uh, reminds me of the teacher that was amazing to me or terrible to me? Or how do I push back against the oppression that I know happens to certain groups of people, right? And not come from such a unhealed space, right? I encourage you to get as much um, counsel as possible and also really be honest with yourself about how you feel and, and why you particularly react to certain students in certain ways, right? We have all these unchecked biases that we tend to act out and that we don't uh, know are the reason why we are reacting in the ways that we're reacting, reacting. So I really encourage you to think through that. Try and uh, be as steadfast in your learning of yourself as possible and be open to that, to those shifts that will inevitably, in, excuse me, inevitably happen. You're going to be fine. You'll do fine. Just as long as your heart is in it. You'll do fine.